Welcome to Humanities by Humans, a podcast which features all aspects of the humanities, from ancient to our everyday lives. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Burbage, and among many things, I teach humanities at Tidewater Community College. Each show features a student voice. This episode features Alyssa, one of our students in the Accelerated Degree Program. Alyssa is going to share some exciting information about the Rosetta Stone. Let's take a listen. I am Alyssa, and today we will be discussing the Rosetta Stone, not the program that helps you learn a new foreign language, although this stone was the key to solving the riddle of hieroglyphics. The term Rosetta Stone is used to refer to the essential clue to a new field of knowledge. I will be discussing what the Rosetta Stone is and what it means, where it came from, who and where it was found, as well as information pertaining to the king that the script honors. I'm going to start with the stone itself. The Rosetta Stone is a portion of a larger stele made of a material that is similar to granite, known as granodiorite. This portion of the stone is 3 feet 8 inches tall, roughly the height of the average 6-year-old, It is just under two and a half feet wide and 11 inches thick. The original stele that it was a part of is estimated to be about four foot 11 inches tall, which means that the portion known as the Rosetta Stone was the largest portion of the stele. For those that don't know, a stele, which is also pronounced as steel according to dictionary.com, is nothing more than an upright stone slab or column with a commemorative inscription. A gravestone is a great example of a stele. The Rosetta Stone has a tripartite inscription, which means it is inscribed with three different scripts. These are, in order from top to bottom, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, ancient Egyptian demotic text, and ancient Greek. Due to the damage acquired when the stele broke, none of the three texts on the Rosetta Stone are complete. The top portion suffered the most damage and only the last 14 lines can be seen, all of which are broken on the right side and 12 are broken on the left. Andrew Dobby, a writer for WikiJournal of Humanities, explains that an estimated 14 or 15 lines are missing from the top. The middle section was left in the best shape. Only the first 14 out of 32 lines are slightly damaged on the right side. The bottom portion consists of 54 lines of which the first 27 survived in full and the rest are increasingly fragmentary due to a diagonal break at the bottom right of the stone. This Rosetta Stone is a portion of a stele that was a part of a series of steles throughout Egypt during the Great Revolt, which occurred from 206 to 186 BC. This series of steles are inscribed with what is known as the Third Memphis Decree, Memphis being the ancient capital of Egypt. The decree was issued in 196 BCE to celebrate King Ptolemy V's achievements and establish the divine cult of the new ruler. King Ptolemy V came to power at only six years old. His parents were murdered in a conspiracy that involved his father 
Ptolemy IV's mistress. The conspirators ruled Egypt as Ptolemy V's guardians until a revolt broke out two years later when his mistress and her family were lynched by a mob in Alexandria. The war and the internal revolt were still ongoing when Ptolemy V was officially crowned king at the age of 12. What a tremendous amount of responsibility for someone so young. The third Memphis decree was issued by a congress of priests in the ninth year of Ptolemy's reign, which is confirmed by naming four priests who officiated that year. Atos, son of Atos, was priest of the divine cults of Alexander the Great, as well as through all five generations of the Ptolemies. The other three priests, named in turn in the inscription, led the worship of Baroness Eurgetis, who was the wife of Ptolemy III, Arsinoe Philadelphos, the wife and sister of Ptolemy II, talk about it being a different time for the king to marry his sister, and lastly, Arsinoe Philopator, the mother of King Ptolemy V himself. The date inscribed corresponds to the 27th of March, 196 BCE. A second date, the 27th of November, 197 BCE, is also given as the anniversary of Ptolemy's coronation. However, the Demotic text of the Rosetta Stone conflicts with this as it lists consecutive days in March for the decree and the anniversary. It is uncertain as to why this discrepancy exists, but it is clear that the decree was issued in 196 and that it was designed to reestablish the rule of the Ptolemaic kings over Egypt. The decree records that there was a particularly high flooding of the Nile in the eighth year of Ptolemy's reign and that he had the excess waters dammed for the benefit of the farmers. It is also stated that Ptolemy gave gifts of silver and grain to temples. These examples say a lot about the character of the king. According to an article by Jason Urbanus from Archaeology Magazine, the decree chronicled the king's victory in the Nile Delta of a faction of native Egyptians who were violently rebelling against Hellenistic rule. There is hardly any archeological evidence of this revolt, aside from recent excavations at an ancient city. Archeologists have encountered signs of violent destruction and death, which they believe are the first definite remains of the revolt. These discoveries are leading to a new and more subtle understanding of the Rosetta Stone viewing it less as linguistic serendipity and more as a propagandistic document created for all to see in a tumultuous time. This type of stele was established on the initiative of the temples rather than that of the king and are unique only to Ptolemaic Egypt. This was a way of honoring a king and was a feature of Greek cities as it would have been unheard of for anyone but the divine rulers to make national decisions before the pharaonic period. Who found the Rosetta Stone? Well, on July 19, 1799, a soldier under Napoleon Bonaparte named Pierre Bouchard found the stone during Napoleon's Egyptian campaign. 
The stone was found near the town of Rosetta, hence its name, though it likely came from a temple site in the royal town of Safe before being used as building material in the construction of Fort Julian. When the British defeated Napoleon in 1801, they took the stone and transferred it to the British Museum, where it has been on display since 1802. That is more than 200 years of being displayed in one place. Translating the text has not been the easiest, but the Greek passage announced that all three scripts were of identical meaning. Therefore, understanding the Greek script meant one could figure out the meanings of the rest, especially the hieroglyphics, which by this time had been a dead language for nearly 2,000 years. French Egyptologist Jean-Francois cracked the code and deciphered the hieroglyphics using his knowledge of Greek as a guide and announced the transliteration of the Egyptian scripts in Paris in the year 1822. The Rosetta Stone was the essential key to the modern understanding of ancient Egyptian literature and civilization. There can be no one definitive English translation of the decree, not only because the modern understanding of the ancient languages continues to develop, but also because of the minor differences between the three original texts. So to conclude, we have learned that the Rosetta Stone is a child-sized stone that consists of three ancient languages that tell the same story about King Ptolemy V, and that the stone became the key to figuring out English hieroglyphs, which was a huge achievement. And that is all we have for today, folks. Until next time, thanks for listening. Wow, Alyssa did a great job. I, for one, learned a lot about the Rosetta Stone. And who knew the word tripartite? I mean, that's amazing. Thanks a lot, Alyssa, for your contribution to the humanities. Listeners, if you liked learning about the Rosetta Stone, take a look at some of the resources Alyssa mentioned. They'll be linked in the show notes. The Humanities by Humans theme song is composed by Joseph Dade. A special thanks to all of today's contributors. We hope you'll tune in to the next episode of Humanities by Humans, where we study human culture and contribute to it too.